This, this is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. We cannot start the show now, lieutenants. I have absolutely way, way too many items that I still need to get to and decide if I want to discuss on today's show. It never ends, as you know. Between talking about alpha male pleasures, between... Fighting the enemies of pleasure, and believe me, there are ample numbers of them all over the place, and it is getting worse. Between battling government taxocrats and bureaucrats, my mission never ends. And I need more time. I'm looking right here at Command Center Alpha, Humidor 1A. I I must have a hundred items spewn all around me, and the question is, do I start with something very important? Or do I start with something a little bit more on the pleasurable side? Well, the answer is easy, lieutenants. I will start with something a little bit more on the fun and pleasurable side. I always like to start the show in a positive and relaxing manner. I hate to have to start to go into battle like General George S. Patton right from the get-go. So we will take the tact of pleasure first and foremost as we begin today's show. Long-ass greetings and salutations. In fact, I haven't even sat down yet here on my cushy, comfortable leather chair embroidered with the Cigar Day five-star logo. Now I am fully seated and ready to commence broadcast maneuvers. Long-ass greetings and salutations. A long-ass snappy salute Semper Delictatio, always pleasure, America's alpha male front and center. Command Center Alpha, and we invite you to join us at 877-DAVE-007. That is 877-328-3007. Email address, CigarDave at CigarDave.com. Hit the website, CigarDave.com, and you can follow us on Twitter as well as Facebook and keep up with us 24-7-365. A very special hello, by the way. A Baltimore long-ass greeting and salutation to all those lieutenants in the charm city of Balmer, Maryland, where I used to reside for three years after college. Love living in Baltimore. Lived downtown from 1986 until late 1988. Three fantastic years in one of America's great cities. And speaking of great, there's some great cigar retailers and establishments in all of Maryland, but specifically, I want to say a a long-ass greeting to those of you listening at Davidus Cigars' new location in Baltimore's Little Italy, or as they say in Baltimore, Little Italy. Loved, oh, I could go for a Sabatino's salad right now with their salad dressing and some pasta carbonara. Oh, just the mere thought is making me salivate. But those of you that are listening at their new location, In uh, Baltimore's Little Italy area, 
We extend to you a very big greeting. It is the first ever Lord Baltimore Cigar Lounge. And uh, they've got the Heavy Seas Beer Garden right there. You can enjoy a fine cigar, have some libations, have some food in the beer garden. When the weather warms up, they've got, uh, in fact, I noticed they've got lockers, including their penthouse lockers, which are double the size. So I need to tell the Castro brothers, not Fidel and Raul. No, no, totally different. Totally, totally different. Uh, It's David Castro and Steve Castro. No relationship whatsoever to the commie pinko bastards down in Cuba. But I need to make sure they reserve one of those penthouse lockers for me when I get back up to Baltimore. And by the way, number 1A is what I prefer. So congratulations to uh, David and his brother Steve Castro opening up the new Davidus Cigars. I think they've got uh, 11 locations now throughout the state of Maryland. And I can be i tell you what, next time I'm up in Baltimore, you can be sure I will go their location, 1300 Bank Street at South Central Avenue. Know right where it is. Actually, that was only about a mile and a half from where I lived in downtown Baltimore. All right, let's start with something fun here, lieutenants. Uh, this was sent to me by Mrs. Harem of One from the Western New York Theater of Operations. It is the difference between high school in 1970 and 2015. And I'm sure you've seen many of these that have made the rounds either on the Internet or on Facebook or on Twitter, and this is an absolute classic. All right, difference between high school in 1970 and 2015, and this guy absolutely hits it right on the head. Scenario one, Jack goes quail hunting before school, and then pulls into the school parking lot with his shotgun in his truck's gun rack. In 1970, in fact, let's extend it, 1970 to 1980, even into probably 1990. 70 to the 90s, vice principal comes over, looks at Jack's shotgun, goes to his car, gets his shotgun to show Jack. Today, school goes into lockdown, the FBI is called, Jack is hauled off to jail, never sees his truck or gun again. And counselors called in for traumatized students and teachers. Scenario two, Johnny and Mark get into a fistfight after school. From the 70s to the 90s, a crowd gathers, Mark wins, Johnny and Mark shake hands, and end up buddies. Today, police called and SWAT teams arrive. They arrest both Johnny and Mark. They're both charged with assault and both expelled, even though Johnny started it. Scenario three, Jeffrey will not be still in class. He disrupts other students. Yeah, that was me. I was always telling jokes, uh, chewing gum, telling jokes. I mean, that's that's the worst thing that happened when I was a, a grade school student back in Buffalo when I was growing up. I will never forget. I would get sent down to the principal. All the, I was telling jokes. I was, gee, surprise, surprise that I was talking in class. Who would have thought? But it obviously did very well for me as a career choice. So I would get sent down because I was disrupting class. I was telling jokes. I was chewing gum. Those are the good old days. Today's students are bringing Uzis. They're bringing in grenades. They're bringing in rocket-propelled grenades. All right, so here's scenario three. Jeffrey will not be still in class. He disrupts other students. From the 70s to the 90s, Jeffrey is sent to the principal office and given a good shouting to by the principal. He then returns to class, sits still, and doesn't disrupt class again. Today, Jeffrey is given huge doses of Ritalin. He becomes a zombie. He is then tested for ADD. The school gets extra money from the state because Jeffrey has a disability. Scenario number four, Billy breaks a window in his neighbor's car and his dad gives screams at him. 
From the 70s to the 90s, Billy is more careful the next time. He grows up normal, he goes to college, and becomes a successful businessman. Today, Billy's dad is arrested for child abuse. Billy is removed to foster care and joins a gang. The state psychologist is told by Billy's sister that she remembers being abused herself, and their dad goes to prison. Billy's mom has an affair with the psychologist. Scenario number five. Mark gets a headache and takes some aspirin to school. From the 70s to the 90s, Mark shares his aspirin with the principal out on the smoking deck. Today, the police are called and Mark is expelled from school for drug violations. His car is then searched for drugs and weapons. Scenario six, Pedro fails high school English. From the 70s until the 90s, Pedro goes to summer school, passes English, and goes to college. Today, Pedro's cause is taken up by the state. Newspaper articles appear nationally explaining that teacher English as a requirement for graduation is racist. The ACLU files class action lawsuit against the state school system, and Pedro's English teacher... English is then banned from core curriculum. Pedro is given the diploma anyway, but ends up mowing lawns for a living because he can't speak English. Scenario number seven. Firecrackers are used on the 4th of July. Actually, Johnny fires uh, fires crackers from the 4th of July, puts them in a model airplane paint bottle, and blows up a red ant bed. From the 70s till the 90s, the ants die. Today... ATF, Homeland Security, and the FBI are called. Johnny is charged with domestic terrorism. The FBI investigates his parents, and all siblings are removed from their home, and all computers are confiscated. Johnny's dad is placed on a terror watch list and is never allowed to fly again. Scenario 8. The final scenario in our scenarios here between the difference between high school in the 70s and the 90s and today. Scenario 8, Johnny falls while running during recess and scrapes his knee. He is found crying by his teacher, Mary. Mary hugs him to comfort him. From the 70s to the 90s, in a short time, Johnny feels better and continues playing. Today, Mary is accused of being a sexual predator and loses her job. She faces three years in state prison. Johnny undergoes five years of therapy. And how true are all those scenarios? By the way, you're talking about that last thing. When And we see a lot of this now. These teachers, these teachers that are in their 20s, 30s, some in their 40s, but usually they're in their 20s and 30s that are having sexual liaisons with underage boys, high school students in most cases, you know, and that are 16, 17. Now, I will tell you this. Never once did I ever have a teacher that in a million years would I ever say, you know, I'd really like to tap her. That would be hot to have a little liaison with. I assure you, my teachers, when they were in their 30s, looked like they were in their 70s. True story. Did not, well, wait a minute. You know what? We did have a high school French teacher that was pretty hot. I will, Let me amend that. But every other teacher on the hotness factor, hotness scale, zero. There was none. Very tepid indeed. But I remember I was filling in for my good buddy, Todd Schnitt, from The Schnitt Show a number of years ago. And there was a teacher here in the Cigar City area who was banging a student who I think was 15 at the time. 
And the way it was discovered is the kid started bragging to all his friends, and then his mother found out and went into an outrage, and next thing you know, she's arrested, and she's a molester, so on and so forth. And the remark I made at the time was, if I ever had a teacher that looked like that teacher that was banging that that uh, underage boy, never in a million years would I have said a word and killed the golden goose. No way, no how. But unfortunately, I never had a hot teacher, with the exception of my French teacher for one year. She was rather hot. But aside from that, I ask you, when you are an adolescent with raging hormones, if you see a hot teacher and she comes on to you, hot, I'm talking young, nice rackage and stackage, legs from Atlanta down to Key West, and you are having horizontal pleasure maneuvers, I ask you, what kid that has half a brain is going to start spouting off and start killing the golden goose? I can tell you one thing. If it was ever fortunate enough to happen to me, never in a million years would I have said anything. I would have kept my mouth shut, and I would continue banging away. The Cigar Intel and Alpha Male Pleasure Maneuvers continue. The Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional Line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. You walk into a cigar shop, stare at hundreds of choices, and wonder as you take in the aroma. Go with an old standard or try something new? Lead or follow? That's the real question here, isn't it? 
Next time, choose to lead with a premium cigar from Royal Gold Cigars. Royal Gold Cigars introduces two exciting new premium cigar lines, Casino Gold HRS High Roller Selection and Kismet. Hand-rolled in Honduras with a blend of four distinct quality fillers wrapped in a rich Habano Rosado wrapper, the Casino Gold HRS is a medium-bodied cigar for high rollers who never gamble on flavor. For a robust option, try our bold Dominican Puro, Kismet, meaning destiny, a blend of six Dominican tobaccos. It's bold, smooth, burns evenly, and leaves a clean white ash. There, we narrowed the options. Lead or follow. Visit royalgoldcigars.com. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Lightation Maneuvers. I have just pulled out a cigar that was given to me by Ernesto Perez Querillo at the time of El Credito Cigar down in Miami, makers of the La Gloria Cubana and the El Rico Habano. And this goes back to 2009. So this is about six years ago. I was visiting down in Miami. Ernesto and I had lunch together. He came back and he gave some cigars to me, including a box of the El Rico Habano Cabinet. They had just redesigned that cigar. They they redid the blend. They redid the packaging along with the Michael Giannini. A beautiful-looking cigar, and I have an entire box unopened. Opened it this morning. It's been aging now six years, and there is plume all over my cigars, which is a light dusting of what looks to be white powder. That are the that is the essential oils that is being released over time. That means the cigar is aging properly. So I pull this out. It is magnificent. El Rico Habano Maduro. The wrapper is a beautiful Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro wrapper. Comes in multiple different wrappers, but it has beautiful Nicaraguan long fillers, a Nicaraguan binder. It is a full-flavored, full-bodied cigar. Exceptionally rich. Comes in, uh, I think, about five different sizes. But the size that I have pulled out is the Corona Suprema, a Toro, 6x50. Actually looks like a smaller Toro because slightly square pressed, slightly box pressed. And now we're seeing the 54 ring gauges as standard in the Toro. This is a 50, so slightly smaller. Beautiful looking cigar. At the time, I think they were about six, seven dollars. Age six years, cannot wait to get at this full flavored beauty. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, I've got my Cigar Dave signature prototype. One jet flame, big tank. Massive flame flies out about four inches. That's what I will use today. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, 
one. Perfect cut. And I should remind you as I toast the foot of this El Rico Habano that the man that created this, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, has moved on to his new company about four or five years ago, EPC Cigar. EP uh, standing for Ernesto Perez C. Carrillo, EPC Cigar, and our March Officers Club selection, which will ship out in about 10 days, will be the EP Carrillo Cabinet. Cannot wait to get those into your hands. Beautiful cigars from EP Carrillo, the godfather of boutique cigars. All right, the wrapper is now toasted. I will gently toast the foot of the cigar. I will puff and rotate. Great draw. Great aroma, great taste, so smooth. Mm. Oh, wow. Massive dose of dark cocoa right on the palate. Man, is this smooth. Fantastic. I need something to accompany it. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Man, is this cigar so smooth. Full-bodied, but rich, smooth, delightful. I need something to accompany it. It's going to be just as fuller flavored. I pulled out a special bottle of single malt scotch that was gifted to me a year ago for my birthday from Lieutenant Gary and Mrs. Harem of One in the Western New York Theater of Operations. In fact, Lieutenant Gary will be joining us. They've got a big cigar-related charity fundraiser tonight that we will discuss. But I have a bottle of Cigar Dave the General, America's Alpha Male Special Reserve. It is... Single malt Islay from Masters of Malt, a special bottling. All I know is, woo, wow, I can smell the smokiness, the peat. Beautiful. And I only break this out for special occasions. Today's special occasion. Wow. A lot of peatiness and smokiness on the nose. I will say to all of you, cheers. Take a sip. Hmm. Oh, wow. Major Cigar Dave warm factor on the way down. Just the right amount of peatiness, the right amount of smokiness. A perfect accompaniment to my El Rico Habano Cabinet Maduro. My special Cigar Dave, the General America's Alpha Male Special Reserve, Islay Single Malt, a secret bottling from Masters of Malt, limited edition, ever so Smooth, And we will have Lieutenant Gary on to talk about a special event, cigars, poker, libations, delicacies. That's what we as cigar connoisseurs are all about. Alpha male conversational maneuvers continue on the the Cigar Dave Show. Wow. The new Super Lee Harrow from Rocky Patel. That's right. This seed took years of development. This is a new varietal from Costa Rica. Years of planning, years of research, and working with the Placencia family, we have a seed called the Super Ligero. That's the magic in this new cigar. This cigar has a unique wrapper from St. Augustine from the mountains of Honduras. That's right, Nemish, and that's why this cigar is so special, because it has a character that is very, very different than all of the cigars. In fact, whether you're a novice, amateur, professional, 
full body smoker, you're gonna love this cigar. Because this character with the Super Ligero and the St. Augustine wrapper just delivers a lot of unique flavors that everyone's gonna enjoy. Look for it in your local retailers coming this October. Cigar Dave Show, your passport to unabashed pleasure. The Cigar Dave Show. Warning, warning, threat con pleasure. Activate appropriate countermeasures. Lieutenants, there is a situation which came up that was indicated to me just, I would say, over a year ago. In conversations with a very well-known cigar retailer across the country, and I'm going to be very vague as to who the retailer is, whether it is a male, female, one store, multiple stores. All I will say is a highly successful retailer. And the reason that I will not get into specifics is because after I tell you about Operation Choke Point, which is a blatant, egregious violation of law, perpetuated by the FDIC, the Department of Justice, and the Obama administration, you will know why I am not going to specifically mention the name of the retailer, the location of the retailer. I'm going to be very vague. But about a year ago, in a conversation, it was brought up to me by the retailer asking if I had heard of, or I was aware, of any program whereby banks were cutting off cigar retailers from their merchant accounts, from doing banking, checking, money market accounts, and it was the first that I had heard of it. I said, I'm not aware of anything. And the retailer proceeded to inform me that about 30 days prior to the conversation, and this is probably a year ago now, so about a month, uh, so 13 months or so ago, maybe 14 months, the retailer stated to me that he received multiple letters from the bank that the retailer had been doing business with for many years, in excess of probably 15 or 20 years. Multiple letters stating that their accounts would be closed in 30 days and that their monies needed to be transferred prior to that, and there, were no, there was no explanation. No explanation as to why the accounts were being closed, why they had to transfer the money, nothing. A basic letter stating that they had until 30 days from the date of this letter to move their funds elsewhere. That was it. There was a name of a woman on the letter. So the first thing the retailer did was contact their banker, their banker that had provided loans for their store or stores, for their inventory, for lines of credit over a long period of time without ever any incident, without ever any default or any other banking problem. The manager 
the senior bank manager who the retailer had dealt with for many years was totally unaware of the letter, was totally unaware of what the bank was doing. So the banker said, let me make some calls. What was the name of the person on the letter? He's proceeded to say and tell the retailer that he would follow up, which he did. The banker contacted the woman. The woman explained to the banker that the retailer had been dealing with that she is unable to state why, but it has to do with something related to the government. Well, something didn't sit right with the retailer, and he or she started to poke around. So the retailer ended up calling me and asking if I had heard of any other instances, and I had not. The retailer said that they were starting to see instances where businesses involved with tobacco and cigars were being targeted. And that was the first that I had heard of it. The retailer contacted their congressperson who stated that he was aware that there were some issues going on with banks threatening to close and cut off access to funding and close merchant accounts, and that it was known on Capitol Hill that there is a government program targeting certain businesses. Well, the name of that program is Operation Choke Point. Now, Operation Choke Point, you've probably heard about the last number of months, as it as Daryl Issa, who is the chairman of a, one of the congressional committees, was really involved in overseeing this, the House Oversight Committee, and started to do some digging. So let me give you a little timeline of Operation Choke Point, and this is vital. And the reason I'm going to spend time on this is because this is a chilling and disturbing policy enacted by a branch of government, the executive branch, whereby, and tell me if you haven't heard this before, they cannot get Congress to move on certain legislation so they deem it appropriate to bypass Congress and through the bureaucracy and through cabinet-level agencies by fiat, decide what they are going to enforce and what they're not going to enforce and what businesses are going to, are in their estimation, should not be allowed to continue. And let me give you a list right off the bat so you have an idea exactly what businesses we are talking about and in indus- what industries that the Obama administration has gone after. And let me make, before I, I tell you about these industries, let me make it very clear. I would be sitting here today if this were a Republican administration, a Democrat administration, a liberal, a conservative, or any or an independent, I don't care what the party is, as opposed to certain Democrats that put country above, a correction, put party above country, I put country and constitution above party. And if I was a voting age and had this show during the Nixon administration, I can assure you I would have immediately called for the resignation of Richard Nixon because I don't care what political party they represent. If you violate the tenets of the Constitution, if you abridge freedom or you abridge speech or you abridge any item in the Constitution, 
or you abuse your power, or you step over your power, then you, whether you are a Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, independent, should be called out and should face the music and should face impeachment or resignation. Our founding forefathers were very clear on the separation of powers. They didn't want to make it easy for the executive branch to unilaterally decide a specific law or a fiat or anything that affected the citizens of this country without going through the proper governmental branch that our founding forefathers specifically laid out. And by the way, for those of you that don't know the, and I know that most of all of our alpha males listening know the three branches, but I'm always amazed when you tell people the three branches and they have no idea. We have the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. Now, I know we have many wussified betas, many enemies of pleasure. I say that for your benefit, since you may not know exactly what the three branches of government are. But our founding forefathers didn't want to make it easy for Congress or for the president to unilaterally say, we're going to do this without the other branch. They created a very unique system of government that has stood the test of time for well over 200 years, that has been respected by virtually every occupant of the Oval Office, with the exception of a couple, Richard Nixon and the current occupant, Barack Obama. Now, that being said, let me tell you the industries that Operation Chokepoint was focusing on. Payday lending, firearms, collection agencies, cigars and tobacco, and pornography. Don't take away my cigars, and do not take Americans' rights away to watch Hot Babes on video or in a magazine. Now think about this for a second. Payday lending, firearms, cigars, tobacco, let's take out porn, let's take out collection agencies. What are the big three that Obama's gone after? Well, he's definitely gone after firearms with the FDA smoke or, or, or tobacco regulations, Definitely gone after cigars and tobacco and payday lending because high interest rates. Now, there is a risk when payday lenders cash certain checks. Now, are the interest rates probably high? Absolutely. But people can certainly go out to a regular bank and open up an account, deposit it like uh, many people do, and you pay nothing. But not everybody does that. So the Obama administration, along with the FDIC, and the Departments of Justice and Treasury created Operation Chokepoint, a scandalous abuse of power. It largely escaped the public's attention when it started back in 2012, but the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee released a report December of 2014 detailing the abuses of Operation Chokepoint. And... What was supposed to target illegal businesses and prevent them from obtaining access to the U.S. financial system has been changed to prevent legal businesses, businesses that sell legal products. Firearms are legal. Cigars are legal. Pornography is legal. Payday lending is legal. But they're going after legal businesses. Why? Very simply. Because if the Obama administration feels it is too much effort to go through Congress and Congress doesn't give them everything they want on a silver platter, then the president and the 
Department of Justice and the FDIC, the Treasury Department, they find ways around it. Illegal ways, I might add. Now, let me give you a little timeline here, and I'm going to spend some time on this because this is incredibly important. This is an egregious abuse of power. And if we do not bring this to light, and I found out about this through a cigar retailer, innocuously, having a conversation, having a cigar, having a libation, and uh, the retailer brought it up to me in detail. And, in fact, the retailer was asked to testify in front of the House Oversight Committee, and the retailer declined. And the reason the retailer declined is because the retailer felt there were there would be repercussions because of what's going on with FDA regulation and other items and felt it was best not to testify as much as the retailer wanted to testify. And I wanted to bring it up at that point, and the retailer asked me to sit on it, which I did, because the House Oversight Committee was about to issue a report and was on top of it. So I have held my tongue. I have I didn't want to upset the apple cart per se. But now as it is coming out publicly, it is vital that we look at Operation Choke Point. Again, supposed to target illegal businesses, prevent them from obtaining access to the US financial system. However, emails unearthed by investigators reveal regulatory officials were motivated by personal animus towards certain businesses. Representative Daryl Issa, the chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, brought this to light. He said Operation Choke Point is an extraordinary abuse of government power. In the most egregious cases, federal bureaucrats injected personal moral judgments into the regulatory process. And Operation Choke Point was publicly introduced in March 2013. And when I come back, that's where we will pick it up. When a member of the Financial Fraud Enforcement Task Force publicly brought up Operation Choke Point at a speech. And we'll take it from there as to where it went, how dangerous this is, who's being affected, and what we need to do about it. Operation Choke Point. It should send shivers down every American spine, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican, a liberal, or a conservative. It doesn't border on tyranny. It is tyranny. Have you seen the new CigarDave.com yet? Listen to the show. Check out videos of the general and sign up for the Officers Club. It's all available at CigarDave.com. Hey, I need to hit the bank before we get on the road. Is it your bank across town? No, no. It's right here. Uh, that's a tobacconist. Yeah, I need to pick up some annuities and currency. Did you knock your head really hard recently? I'm picking up The Banker by H. Upman. Annuity and currency are two sizes. You know I don't understand all that financial mumbo-jumbo. And The Banker is a new cigar made with rich tobaccos inspired by the original H. Upman that was created in 1844 by the Upman brothers, who were bankers by trade. It was given as unique present for their most important clients, and the prize cigar was stored in a vault under lock and key. The only thing my banker has ever given me was a calendar with pictures of his dog dressed as pinup models. It sounds like you need a new banker. Only if you're talking about the cigar. 
Purchase the Banker by H. Upman at your local tobacconist today and look for ways you can crack the code to the vault of the Banker by H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the Silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the diamond crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. Cigar Dave's health recommendation. Include ample amounts of wreckage and stackage in your daily diet. Screw the fruits and vegetables. All right, Operation Choke Point. Let's pick it up here. March 2013. The first time that anybody heard publicly about Operation Choke Point was when Financial Fraud Enforcement Task Force Executive Director Michael Bresnikat brought it up in a speech at Washington, D.C.'s Exchequer Club. Bresnikat assured his audience the reason the program was focused on financial institutions and payment processors is because they are the so-called bottlenecks or choke points in the fraud committed by so many merchants that victimize consumers and launder their illegal proceeds. Now let's look at that statement a little closely. Merchants that victimize consumers and launder their illegal proceeds. Well, is payday lending, firearms, cigars, collection agencies, or porn, are they victimizing consumers? I don't think so. People go there of their own free will. Are they laundering their illegal proceeds? Well, I can't speak for payday lending, but I don't think I've ever seen in history of doing this show for almost 20 years a cigar retailer get charged with money laundering because of their retail establishment. I don't think I've even seen it for collection agencies or firearms. Can't say it about porn. I don't know. And I don't know about payday lending. Let's talk about specifically with cigars and firearms. I don't ever recall a gun retailer or an ammo dealer or a cigar store tobacconist being charged with money laundering. So that is suspect from his statement right from the get-go. So let's go from March 2013, when it is first brought up what Operation Choke Point was when publicly introduced, to five months later, August 2013, in the Wall Street Journal. It revealed one of the first targets of the program, payday lending. 
and it sent a troubling message to banks that at any point regulators can force them to stop processing legal transactions simply because they don't like a particular merchant or industry. We go to January 2014. Congressman Issa, along with Representative Jim Jordan, sent U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder a letter expressing concern that both the goal and mechanisms of Operation Chokepoint may constitute a serious mismanagement and abuse of the Department's Financial Institution Reform and Recovery Act of 1989. By the end of May 2014, Representative Issa who at the time was the chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, was outraged. He issued a report contending that Operation Chokepoint was so flagrantly illegal, it was beyond legal rehabilitation. And further, in that report, ISA states that Attorney General Holder knew about the program prior to its launch, that he knew it was aimed at targeting legal entities, and that he nonetheless fully supported its implementation. Furthermore, the report suggested that once the program became public, the DOJ may have attempted to cover up parts of the operation. It was also discovered that Operation Chokepoint had expanded beyond the payday lending industry, targeting manufacturers, distributors, and dealer of firearms and ammunition, as well as coin dealers, and as we have found out, cigar retailers and tobacco merchants. And in the report... Operation in the, uh, the, the, the congressional report, or ICE's report, he also alleges the program targeted the gun industry because Obama failed to get gun control legislation passed by Congress. Does that have a familiar ring to it? That when President Obama cannot get what he wants passed in a legal method via the constitutional process through the U.S. Congress, he immediately turns to circumnavigate and circumvent Congress. Blatant affront to the U.S. Constitution. We have never had a president that is more complicit and criminal in violating the Constitution and violating his oath of office to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. He should have stated, honestly, I'm going to thrash and disrespect the Constitution because that's exactly what he's done. Now we go to December 8, 2014. Another report comes out, reveals that the FDIC equated legitimate and regulated activities with inherently pernicious or patently illegal activities via circular argument policymaking. An original list of high-risk merchants were determined by the FDIC, who then justified formal guidelines for banks by claiming that the categories had been previously noted by the FDIC itself. And the report's conclusions are very clear. The practical impact of Operation Chokepoint is incontrovertible. Legal and legitimate businesses are being choked off from the financial system. Cigar retailers, gun retailers, ammo retailers, payday lenders, coin dealers. Obama administration doesn't like them. So what they do is they can't make them illegal. Uh, What's the next best thing? Well, we will stick the FDIC 
on the banks and threaten the banks that if they don't close off these merchants' accounts, we're going to come in and audit you not once a year, but four times a year or six times a year. Or we're going to start scrutinizing all of your board members or your shareholders directly, and we are going to make life miserable. So what does a bank do? They roll over and play dead. What does a retailer do? They have to scramble because if you can't have access to a bank, you cannot be in business. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show is next. This, this is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Comfortably perched at Command Center Alpha, my El Rico Habano cabinet Maduro looks as though it needs a relighting because during the top of the hour timeout, I had to reload and discuss some important program-related manners with Private Brian and the lovely Ms. Kitte, your call hostess, who will greet you upon calling at 877-DAVE-007. That is 877-328-3007. As I puff and rotate here. Mmm, great raw. So lovely. Mmm, 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 Wherever you may be, lieutenants, I hope your cigar is keeping you great company. Your libation is keeping your mouth properly salivated. You are properly relaxed with your feet propped up and enjoying wonderful camaraderie. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. I just wanted to wrap up talking about Operation Choke Point because it has tremendous ramifications for not only cigar retailers but uh, and, and gun retailers and ammo retailers and payday lending collection agencies coin dealers but for any legal business out there if you're a legal business and all of a sudden some bureaucrat decides that they're going to pick on you all they need to do is pick up the phone to your banker and say Mr. Banker you know we would like you to close down the drugstore, or the liquor store, or the accountant, or the doctor, or the lawyer. Well, close down as many lawyers as you want. That's not a problem. We've got too many of those anyway. But any of those those other businesses or any other legal business, they could just simply pick up the phone and say, you know, we want you to close their business, their, their, their merchant account, their banking, their checking accounts. Oh, and by the way, now, it's voluntary, totally voluntary. But if you don't, you know, we're going to schedule an audit of your bank and come every two months. You know, maybe we'll come every month. And in fact, you know, your president and your CEO and your board, we're going to do audits on all of them. And we're going to look with a fine-tooth comb for any slight little error, and we're going to go after you. If one hair is out of place, 
we're going to lay the full wrath of the U.S. government upon you. And who is the U.S. government? It's not us anymore. It has become a giant, uncontrollable, bureaucratic mess. A boondoggle that even Congress, and I say to a degree, the president cannot control. It's the tail wagging the dog. Here we are, 350 million citizens in this country, and yet there's, what, a couple of hundred thousand, maybe a half a million people in government, in federal government, the bureaucrats, probably less than that, who dictate laws, what we can do, make our lives miserable. Operation Choke Point is a very lugubrious program. It is a dangerous program. And it's another example of blatant violation of the executive branch going right around Congress, going around right, just doing an end run. And that is not in any way, shape, or form, that is not the intent, the spirit, or what is written in the Constitution. And if we had Republicans that wouldn't roll over, and if we had Democrats that were maybe a little bit more patriotic, that put country above party, maybe— they would call out Obama. And by the way, somebody that was calling out Obama, and I'm not a fan of, uh, of Senator uh, uh, Bob Menendez of New Jersey. Not a fan at all. However, his stance on Cuba is correct. His stance on Iran is correct. And who is the most vociferous Democrat against Cuban policy and the Iranian negotiations in the House or Senate? It is Bob Menendez. And who is the Department of Justice targeting and who are they going to charge? Now, if the charges are indeed true, that he did try to get government agencies to change their policies because of campaign donations, a quid pro, quid pro, pro quo type of arrangement, then he absolutely should be prosecuted. But if not, and knowing this administration, I would probably lean towards the not part more than there is a foundation to prosecute. I find it remarkably coincidental that in this very same week that Senator Menendez is giving accolades to Prime Minister, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is criticizing the administration's handling of the, Ob- of the Iran negotiations and has been critical of the Cuban opening up Cuba and the diplomatic relations established by the Obama administration unilaterally, I find it remarkably uncoincidental that now the Department of Justice is going after him. And when you have a president or you have an attorney general that basically disregards law to say, you know what, we're going to go after the guys that are criticizing us, that aren't on board with us, That is chilling. That is Hitler-esque. That's exactly what Hitler did to his opponents, people that spoke out against him before he took control. That's how he took control of the German government. Look in the history books. It's exactly what he started doing. All his opponents, he started whacking. And and, and his minions started uh, assassinating and uh, beating up, and they got rid of him. Well, I'm not saying that Obama is whacking his opponents, but he's doing it using the crushing force of 
his government. And it's not his government, it's our government, but his branch and his cabinet uh, his cabinet people. It really is a, a, a tremendously dangerous and frightening and chilling point in our nation's history. And sadly, we have we have Democrats and even Republicans that don't feel that this is a constitutional crisis when it most certainly is. And by the way, Representative, uh, or correction, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida has introduced legislation to elim- eliminate Operation Choke Point. Newt Gingrich came out at the CPAC conference last week and said that Operation Choke Point is the beginning of real tyranny in the United States. It's very frightening for our future as it is a way to reduce mass market consumer fraud. Or correction, he, he, he criticized the, the way in which the government agencies were going after under the guise of saying they want to reduce mass market consumer fraud. It is absolutely absurd. And this is what he had to say. The liberals that came up with this new model, where you're doing something which is totally legal that they don't like, they go to your banker and they choke off your money by saying to the banker, you know, that business over there, that's kind of risky. And the bank gets scared because these are their regulators. And so the bank comes to you and says, we're no longer going to be able to handle your account. That's exactly what has gone on. And by the way, as recently as a few weeks ago, a number of tobacco retailers were targeted with Operation Choke Point. So clearly, even though the head of the FDIC is saying, oh, no, no, this policy, this this program is ending, not so fast, my friend, not so fast. A little footnote here. As I just uh, took all the pile of papers that I have in front of me on this Operation Choke Point and just whacked my microphone here. But a little footnote. uh, Last week I told you about the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms releasing a proposal to ban the M855 Green Tip AR-15 ammunition under the guise of law enforcement safety. Well, here's a little item. The same day the proposal was released which was about uh, three weeks ago on a Friday of a three-day President's Weekend holiday, ATF opened up a shortened 30-day period for the public to comment about the new regulation. By law, every federal agency must open up for comment a proposed new regulation. They print it in the Federal Register. There is a certain date, 30 days, 45 days, 90 days, whatever the case is. The public has the right to make comments. And usually whenever there is a public comment period, whether it is the FCC on net neutrality, and that's another disaster that occurred last week, which I don't have time to get into today, but maybe down the road I will in a podcast. But whether it is net neutrality or whether it is trying to ban a certain type of of gun ammunition or whether it is proposing that the FDA have regulatory authority over cigars – There are thousands and thousands of comments that are filed. So you have a 30-day period, every agency at least a 30-day period. However, it is coming out now that ATF has been working on a ban of the AR-15 green tip ammo for quite a bit of time because the ban is already printed in their new 2014 regulation guide, which comes out every 10 years years. Now, when you look at the 2005 regulation guide, it clearly states there is an exemption for the AR-15 green tip ammo that is used in a uh, in an AR-15, primarily by sportsmen, 
and hunters and target shooters. However, when you look at the last page of the new most recent ATF regulation guide, which was just published in January, mind you, it was published in January before the ATF opened up a 30-day comment period on banning the green tip ammo. In the regulation guide published in January, there is no longer an exemption for the AR-15 green tip ammo. So let's get this straight. By federal law, before an agency makes any changes, they must seek comment from the public for a minimum of 30 days. Usually it's longer. Usually they open up for 60 days, 90 days, but 30 days is the minimum. So if the ATF opened up the comment period in mid-February, which they did, and goes until mid-March, so let's say it's March, I think, 13th, so there's still about another five, six days to go on that. The ATF can't make any decisions. They have to seek the input from the public. The public has a right to comment. Well, lo and behold, the ATF, two months ago, issued their new ATF 2014 regulation guide, and in it, the AR-15 green tip ammo is no longer exempt. It may not be sold. So I ask you, did ATF put the cart before the horse? The answer is, you better believe it. No surprise. Another egregious example of a government agency overseen or, or, or run by an Obama appointee that is circumnavigating Congress. They know they can't ban weapons. They'll do the next best thing. They'll start banning the sale of the ammo. It really is an egregious, unilateral, don't tell anybody about it decision that is in flagrant violation of federal law. But it seems that under this administration, law is secondary because to them, the ends justifies the means. Lieutenants, we are living right now in a period of tyranny in the United States We have two years left. My concern is, are we going to be able to survive these two years? And will this country ever be able to recover after the disaster that has been the Obama administration for the last six and then going on another two for a total of eight years? And I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican. This is not a partisan issue. This is a law, a constitutional issue. And what is amazing to me is somebody who taught the Constitution, supposedly being touted as a constitutional scholar, which is anything further from the, than, the, uh, than reality, this person should know. Obama should know clearly, should know clearly that his actions are illegal. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, once again, to them, the ends justifies the means. And something happens to presidents when they get into power. Something happens where they forget where they came from. Obama forgot he was on the Senate, albeit for what, a year, whatever the case was, a year and a half. He forgot that he was on the other side. He was on the, in the legislative branch. He forgets that. Perhaps a refresher of Constitution 101 would be appropriate, not only for President Obama, but every single cabinet member and bureaucrat working in this administration. Follow the General 24-7 on Twitter at at Cigar Dave Show. 
the sword, a symbol of strength, honor, and prestige. The sword, the symbol of Monte Cristo. Introducing the new Espada by Monte Cristo, inspired by the superior craftsmanship of legendary sword makers, celebrating a unique collaboration between premium cigar authorities, blended by the Monte Cristo's talented Grupo de Maestros, crafted by the renowned Placencia family with vintage aged tobaccos, the first Monte Cristo made with 100% Nicaraguan tobacco. Rich, majestic, complex. The Espada by Monte Cristo, a cigar of pure taste and true elegance. Try an Espada by Monte Cristo at your local tobacconist today and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Cigar Life. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Hi. I know everybody's familiar with the 95-rated Decade one of the finest cigars ever made and produced by Rocky Patel. Well, he outdid himself. I'm here to introduce a new Decade Cameroon. It's got a beautiful African Cameroon wrapper on it. And when you put this wrapper with the wonderful blend of the Decade cigar, it just takes it to another level. You get that little sweetness on the back of your palate. You get the cedar, the hickory notes with a little bit of spice. You know what I want to do? I want to just sit in my backyard on my patio or a bar stool and enjoy the cigar. You can take it all the way down. I tell you, Rocky, you outdid yourself on this one. And if you haven't tried it, it's going to be at your local retail store. Go get yourself one. You won't be disappointed because this cigar, man, does it smoke great. America's Alpha Male with Nads of Steel, the General Cigar Cigar Dave. Dave. All right, let's go via secure line to the Western New York Theater of Operations, specifically the Gary O'Brien's Pub in a very clandestine and classified secure location. And say hello to Lieutenant Gary. Lieutenant Gary, greetings. Good afternoon, General. Well, you have uh, a very big event tonight at uh, the Gary O'Brien's Pub. And Lieutenant Gary, I always say this about cigar connoisseurs and alpha males in general. 
They are extremely philanthropic. They're generous. Whereas uh, all the libs and the taxocrats love to tell everybody how to spend their money, they never put their own hand in their own pocket. However, alpha males <laughs> and cigar connoisseurs do. And uh, you've got a great event. You sent me some pictures tonight. You actually have a uh, event that uh, benefits some uh, medical charities in the Buffalo area. Tell us about your event tonight. By the way, it's already sold yes. out. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, well, let me start off by uh, thanking you for sending us the uh February 2015 Officer Club selection, the CEO Columbia. And uh, everyone in attendance is going to receive one of those bags. Uh, and we're expecting 80 people at this event today. Excellent. Should be a nice event. I see you've got poker. you got delicacies. I, in fact, I see the ladies' auxiliary even bake some cookies that look like poker chips and uh, cigars, Maduro cigars, I might add. Yes. Uh, special thanks to... Uh, Mrs. Captain Paul and Mrs. Harem of One for uh, for the desserts, obviously. Ah, excellent! And uh, again, it's an evening. Well, you got cigars. You're going to have libations. You got uh, delicacies, poker, and it all goes to a good cause. And, and you raise some money. This is just you. You and Mrs. Harem of One decided to do this. And how much did you raise every year? Uh, this is the fifth year that we're doing it, and uh, obviously, it's a private, all-inclusive fundraising event. Um, like you said, it's going to be fully catered. Uh, we're going to have libation, cigars, uh, some games, and uh, we've raised uh, over $80,000 up to this point. That's beautiful. Congratulations. And that is, again, you and Mrs. Harem of One deciding you wanted to do this. You created this event. No government intervention. You don't need Obama telling you what to do, how to do it. You did it without anybody telling you how to do it and what to do, and it's a very successful event. Yes. Uh, yeah, what The reason why we did it is, obviously, uh, um, it's for a, like you said, a, uh, local cancer research facility and, uh, cancer touches all of us in one way or another. And, uh, in the middle of a, a cold Buffalo winter, uh, you know, what else would you rather do than, uh, get together with some friends, family, um, have some dinner, some libations, little fun, and, uh, just, you know, just pass the time. Well, I was going to say raise I money for Raise money for a wonderful cause. I was going to say uh, you could always go ice fishing, Lieutenant Gary. I mean, that's that's another <laughs> option in Buffalo at this time of year. Yeah, on the lake. <laughs> but I think, I think we'll your, pass that, man. Yeah, your event will be much better. All right. Well, welcome back, Lieutenant Gary. By the way, I appreciate you joining us. Wish I could be there. Uh, my regards to everybody there, and I know you're going to raise a lot of money with the auction and uh, long ashes uh, to everyone up tonight at the Gary O'Brien's Pub for your big charity event. When I come back, lieutenants, I've got a couple items I'm going to get to, including one that just came across my command center alpha wire here. Petition to change the city of Buffalo's name. What the hell is that all about? Possible tax in Pennsylvania and the enemies of pleasure in Texas go after a nine-year-old. The General does more than just radio. He's got video now, too. See The General in action by subscribing at youtube.com slash Cigar Dave. The new Romeo Inejo by Romeo y Julieta is crafted with a passion grown through time. Its double-fermented 2008 vintage tobaccos find their perfect companion with a stock-cut dark Connecticut wrapper. Together, they're aged in unique cedar cojones for a bold, sophisticated experience featuring notes of coffee and dark chocolate. Experience the timeless passion of the Romeo Inejo today at your local tobacconist. 
Surgeon General's warning, cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Get ready to celebrate the good life with the Monte Cristo Social Club Roadshow, coming soon to a city near you. Enjoy world-class premium cigar brands like Monte Cristo, Romeo y Julieta, and H. Upman. Sip on delicious drinks and savor fine foods. You'll also hear an exclusive lecture about crafting premium cigars from the first seeds to hand-rolled masterpieces. Visit MontecristoSocialClub.com slash Roadshow for more information and to reserve your tickets to join in the festivities. Surgeon General's warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat even if you do not inhale. For your comfort and convenience, the general has turned on the no pleasure police sign. You may now feel free to enjoy the good life. Well, looky, looky here. Isn't this interesting? Sergeant Steve just sent this my way on townhall.com. Article by Katie Pavlich. ATF calls stripping ban exemption for AR-15 green tip ammo a publishing mistake. And as we mentioned, in the 2014 ATF regulation guide, which was published in January, it specified that the AR-15 green tip ammo was banned for sale before the public had a right to even comment on it and before the agency even published notice for comment. Well, ATF just sends out a tweet saying, nothing to analyze here, folks, just a publishing mistake. No AP ammo exemptions revoked. Really? Just a publishing mistake here, folks? Baloney. No way do I believe ATF. Let me ask all of you one question. How many of you believe anything the government says these bureaucratic agencies under Obama says. When they come out and say something, I don't know about you, I believe nothing of it. In fact, our founding forefathers wanted us to be skeptical. That's why they created a free press. They wanted to make sure that every branch of government was in check, that the president weren't the little lapdogs of the administration or Congress or the judiciary branch. But this is unmitigated gall. You don't just make a publishing mistake like that. That's not a little error. That's not like one or two words. That is a clear, absolute message when it was printed that this is what we're going to do. Comments be damned. And you watch. The comments will be overwhelming against banning that AR-15, including many from law enforcement officers, I will guarantee And that will not make a difference. And then after they publish it, they'll say, oh, no, 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 we didn't intend to publish it in January, but after all the comments came in, now we're ready to publish it. Please. You think we're as dumb as the people that voted for Obama? Come on. Nothing to analyze here, folks. Just a publishing mistake. No ammo exemptions revoked. Baloney. Interesting. Looky, looky, looky. All right, a couple of items here, lieutenants. That I do want to get to. First of all, in Pennsylvania, there are two states in the country 
two states in the country that have no excise tax on cigars. Those states, the cigar state of Florida, in which this show originates from the cigar city of Tampa, as well as Pennsylvania. Now, why those two states? Now, there's regular sales tax. If you go to buy a cigar in Pennsylvania or or in Florida, it is subject to normal sales tax. In the county of Hillsborough, city of Tampa, it is 7%. So you buy a cigar, suggested retail price, let's say is, is 10 bucks. 7% is the uh, is the tax. There's 70 cents in tax. The total is $10.70. Florida and Pennsylvania, the only two states that have no excise tax on cigars. Why is that? Simply because Florida and Pennsylvania both have predominant operations and manufacturing and production in the world of cigars. They're big employers. In Florida... We've got cigar manufacturers. We've got cigar distributors. Huge. I mean, this is the epicenter. There are more headquarters based in Florida for cigars, whether it's mass market or premium, than anywhere else in the country. And this goes back to the late 1800s when Vicente Martinez Ibor brought cigars, originally from Cuba, the cigar manufacturing industry from Cuba, first to Key West, and then to Tampa. And then now we've got Companies that have their headquarters in Tampa, in Jacksonville, in Fort Lauderdale, in Miami, in in Naples. Without any question, Florida is the cigar state. But close behind that is Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has long grown Broadleaf Maduro for cigars. Pennsylvania Broadleaf Maduro, they've grown other tobaccos that are used. A long history in cigars. In fact, I believe Parodi cigars are made there as well which is a machine-made type of cigar. But you also have cigar distributors that are based there and cigar retail companies that are based there. You've got Ashton Distributors. You've got Holt Cigars, Famous Cigars, Cigars International, big employers. Well, on Tuesday, in the proposed 2015 Pennsylvania State Budget, Governor Tom Wolf proposed a 40% wholesale tax on cigars. Retailers, manufacturers said if the levy is approved, it will drive the industry out of Pennsylvania. Well, by the way, I am sure that Governor Rick Scott here in Florida, who I know who I know I have a personal relationship with, uh, I've seen him many times in Tallahassee at lunch and at uh, various other Florida Broadcaster Association events. In fact, I see him here in Tampa on a regular basis when he makes his way through. He would be thrilled to personally call the CEOs of Famous Cigar and of Cigars International and of Ashton Distributors and Holtz. He would be thrilled to have them relocate to Florida. Florida will never have an excise tax. And I say never because the one time it was tried, it was walloped, it was submitted into not only by by Republicans, but Democrats as well, pounded into the ground. It went nowhere because there is a huge cigar industry in Florida. But a 40% excise tax on cigars. 40%. The new tax on other tobacco products, which is 40% of the wholesale value, would apply to not only cigars, but pipe tobacco and smokeless tobacco. The rates, the new 
excise tax rate would be effective October 1st. That's if it passes. Now, the last time this was attempted was when former Governor Ed Rendell proposed a tax on premium cigars. I think that was, geez, six, seven years ago, and it was overwhelmingly defeated in the legislature. Of course, the enemies of pleasure always like to weigh in. Deborah Brown, the president and CEO of the American Lung Association of the Mid-Atlantic, has long advocated that cigars should be taxed, saying that Pennsylvania would generate hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Oh, contraire. Wrong. Not true. Because what would happen is all those mail-order companies and manufacturers would relocate to Florida. They would no longer employ people there. People would buy their cigars from out of state, being it New Jersey or Maryland or Florida or Texas, any other state that doesn't have onerous taxes. And all that tax revenue that you used to get for a sales tax, 7% or 8%, whatever it is, and all those jobs would vanish, would disappear. And they'd all come down to the cigar state of Florida. I'd welcome them. But the reality is it probably will not get past the GOP-controlled legislature, which is a very good thing. Now, on a good element of good news here, in Nebraska, Governor Pete Ricketts signed a bill on Thursday that allows cigar bars to continue to operate as an exception to the statewide indoor smoking ban. The, uh, the bill carried an emergency clause. Because it carried an emergency clause, the bill takes effect immediately. So as of Thursday... You may now smoke in cigar bars in Nebraska. The legislator, uh, legislation, leg, correction, the legislature passed a bill uh, a week ago Friday by a vote of 45 to 3. The new law enables the bars to allow their customers to smoke cigars or pipes indoors because the Nebraska Supreme Court struck down a ruling that allowed cigar bars an exemption to the former indoor smoking ban. The high court said the former law represented unconstitutional special legislation. Well, now that's been fixed. That's been changed. Nebraska has 10 cigar bars, six in Omaha, two in Lincoln, one in Grand Island, and one in South Sioux City. And the Nebraska Liquor Control Commission, which regulates the cigar bars, has received two applications for new cigar bars. So that is good news. So those of you that live in Nebraska or you're visiting Nebraska, cigar bars may now allow smoking once again, which is a very, very good thing. Uh, Let's see here. What do I want? Oh, this is a classic. This is an absolute classic. When I was in, I believe it was 7th or 8th grade, we read the J.R.R. Tolkien trilogy of The Hobbit. Series of, I think at the time it was three books. It's so long ago, I can't remember how many books there were in these series. I think there were three. I think it was a trilogy. Well, this is a classic. This comes to us from Texas. Don't mess with Texas. But Texas is messing with a nine-year-old student at Kermit Elementary School. Kermit Elementary School A nine-year-old boy, Aiden Stewart, has been suspended by officials at a Texas school because they believe bringing an imaginary hobbit ring to class is an act of terrorism. Ooh, let's let's all hunker down because we don't need to be worried about Iranian nukes. We don't need to be worried about 
Al-Qaeda and ISIS and Boko Haram. No, let's worry about a nine-year-old American by the name of Aidan Stewart. Now, what is his crime? Well, he watched The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies, with his family. And after he watched it, he wanted to pretend to be a character from the movie. Specifically, he pretended to be Bilbo Baggins. I remember that character from reading The Hobbit way back in 7th or 8th grade. I think it was 7th grade we read it. Bilbo Baggins, the hesitantly brave hero who acquires a magic ring from the creature Gollum in the first movie in the trilogy, which is based on a book written by J.R.R. Tolkien. The movie takes place in the book at a fictional location of Mount Doom. It is the one uh, ring to rule them all, giving the wearer the, the power of invisibility. You wear the ring, you become invisible. The power of the ring aided Bilbo Baggins during his journey. So, nine-year-old Aidan Stewart brought a ring of his own to Kermit Elementary School and told his friends that they, too, could become invisible by using his ring. Now, once again, the ring did not contain a bomb. The ring did not have any magical powers. It was an imaginary, it's a ring with imaginary, but the kid was using his imagination. He can make us all disappear. We can all disappear. Nobody can see us. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to go up and bomb everyone and make everybody disappear. I'm going to whack everybody. I'm going to take this ring, which has special ammo, and shoot everyone. He didn't say that. But school officials... For some reason, believe that Aiden was making threats of terrorism against his friends with the magical object and suspended him. Now, this is so absurd. But as the great Ron Popeil would say, but wait, there's more. This is not the first time that Kermit Elementary School has punished nine-year-old Aiden for doing things which most young kids do. He once brought his favorite book to school to impress his teacher, but school officials freaked out because the big book of knowledge had a section about pregnancy and included an illustration of a pregnant woman. Hmm, I wonder if that was a terrorist act also. In another innocuous incident, Aiden referred to a black student. Sit down, lieutenants. Wait for it. Brace yourself. Can't believe what he did. He referred to a black student as black which drew another suspension from the school. The kid's been suspended three times. He's nine years old. So he brings in a magical ring, an imaginary ring, and says to his friends, we can all become invisible. They suspend him. He brings in a book. The big book of knowledge had a section about pregnancy. Suspension. And now he calls a fellow student who's black, black. No, he didn't refer to him in a derogatory manner or in a negative manner. He just stated the student is black, just like if a black student said, hey, uh, you know, um, uh, Joe, let's, you know, you're, you're white or you're Native American or whatever. You're Mexican. This is absurd. This is absurd. Three suspensions for three absurd, ludicrous reasons. Would not a simple dose of common sense been appropriate to ask young nine-year-old Aiden and say, now, Aiden, what did you mean when you said that you would make everybody invisible? At which point he would have said, well, when I watched the movie, The Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins has this imaginary ring, and when he wears it, everybody can become invisible and nobody can see us. At which point the teacher would have said, 
Well, that's that's nice, Aiden. Have fun playing. But instead, the school suspends him. Man, this principal should be really almost embarrassed. Principal Roxanne Greer. Now, I don't know if she suspended this boy, but she must have had something to do with it. She is the principal, after all. But how ridiculous. This is how absurd this nation has become today. It is gone off the rails. A kid bringing in a ring, an imaginary ring to make students invisible, that's an act of terror. A kid brings in a, or, 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 choose, or takes his thumb and his forefinger playing cops and robbers and says, bang, all of a sudden, he's a criminal, he's a terrorist. We have lost all semblance of common sense in this country. And I blame the wussification of the American male. The wussification of America. Because now everybody in this country is sensitive. Everybody overreacts to everything. Everything is an act of terror. You know, I'm just waiting for someone to say, you know, man, I am starved. I could eat a cow or eat a horse. And someone's saying, that is an act of terror. You want to kill that cow or kill that horse. And you know what? Actually, I didn't have my breakfast this morning, and now it's 1.49 Eastern time, and I hadn't had lunch. Actually, the truth is, I could eat a cow, and the reality is, screw PETA, I probably will. Listen to Cigar Dave anytime, anywhere, with podcasts of the show. Download them through iTunes or visit CigarDave.com. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. 
The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame fight song, Why Am I Playing It Well, to pay tribute to the recently departed Father Theodore Hesburg, who passed away at the age of 97 last week. He oversaw the Civil Rights Commission, several Vatican and United States delegations, president of University of Notre Dame for many years. However, most importantly, he was a fellow cigar connoisseur. In 2013, he was quoted as saying, just when I think I'm getting low, someone will come out of nowhere and say, hey, by the way, I was in Central America and I picked up something for you, and they come up with a box of cigars. A big cigar smoker, in fact, He'd smoke inside several of the buildings at Notre Dame, one bearing his name, and he said that if they told him that he couldn't smoke in there, they'd have to take his name off the building. He kept on smoking, and people kept sending them until he passed away on Thursday. And uh, University President Father John Jenkins said in a statement, he continued in his final days to visit with family, friends, and fellow Holy Cross religious and to enjoy the occasional cigar. And that evening, many people left grotto candles lit in his memory in a public uh, space at Notre Dame, and someone left a cigar in a candle holder for his memory. And in fact, a number of students gathered to light cigars under Hesburgh's statue in front of the library to honor him and to memorialize him. So rest in peace, Father Hesburgh. I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. They're in the ACC. They're a rival to my Syracuse Orangemen. Don't get me started about Bayheim and the Orangemen. But uh, got to love the fact that he was a cigar connoisseur. Let's say hello to uh, Bryce in the Cigar City area of Tampa. You are front and center. Hey, long after General. Back at you. Um, so, uh, you're running out of time. So, I had uh, one question, but I want to make a couple comments. Go ahead. About, you know, every, everything that happened this week with, uh, you know, Netanyahu and everything. And, and following you on Twitter and, and watching your comments, absolutely loved it. And, you know, obviously, you want to bring that up to people at work and see how they feel. And I had an overwhelming majority of people tell me they don't even believe that he should be speaking in the United States, let alone in Congress. And I, I, and why are we even friends with Israel? I mean, it's, the, the, the rhetoric that some of these people I work with uh, is unbelievable. I mean, I guess it's not unbelievable, but it is unbelievable. You know? well, let me ask you, uh, 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 do you work in a mental institution? Because clearly these people <laughs> are in need of some psychiatric help. They don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on. They, they don't understand the, that he's an ally. Look, the fact of the matter is, I, I thought, and that's the one thing I love about Twitter, is that I can spout off on anything, and I do, and that's why I encourage people to follow me, at Cigar Dave Show, my Twitter handle, because when things happen, I lay them out there. Some people agree, some people disagree, but that's exactly what Twitter, and that's exactly what this country is all about, a free dialogue, and I don't get into Twitter wars with people. I don't uh, block people. If you disagree with me, no problem. I, I can take it. Yep, yep. I, well, I definitely appreciate the uh, the, the Twitter uh, uh, that I get to read from you. But um, real quick, I had a question on... Um, you got 15 back, seconds. Had, 15 had, seconds. Go ahead, Bryce. Yep. A while back, I had a battle with tobacco beetles. Took care of them. Now I noticed in my humor, aging humidor again, I'm seeing a little bit of dust. So I pulled a couple of cigars out that looked like they might have had some holes in the foot. Um my question is, when I get, like, cigars in, I bring them home. Okay, Bryce, I Bryce, I'm, I'm, Bryce, I gave you 15 seconds. We're tight. Here's the deal. 
If you see any of those holes, get rid of those cigars. Put the rest in a freezer for 72 hours. Give that a try. I'm going to send you out some CAO Columbia as our February Officers Club selection. Next week, it's our St. Patty's Day show. Cigar Day, the general saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictace show. Always pleasure. And to the Obama bureaucrats, choke on this.